Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Pulled from the hottest topics coming across our news desk, I'm Elissa Branch, and this is Housing Wire Daily. Today, you'll be listening to a real trending crossover episode that features an interview with the CEO and president of Redfin, Glenn Kelman. Kelman discusses Redfin's business model, the company's future, and the benefit of turning all home buyers into cash buyers. But before we listen, here's a brief word from our sponsor. At TMS, we believe in building relationships and helping to grow happiness. It's what we do best. Let us show you that efficient and transparent communication exists in subservicing. Switching from your current subservicer to TMS couldn't be easier. Learn more today at subservicing.themoneysource.com. This is Tracy Velt, Editorial Director for Realtrends. Today, you'll be listening to an exclusive interview with Glenn Kelman, President and CEO of Redfin. Glenn came to Redfin in 2005 from his stint as the co-founder and vice president of product and marketing for Plumtree Software. With his deep tech and marketing background, Glenn has been instrumental in Redfin's ability to raise funding and implement their unique business model. So welcome, Glenn. Thank you. It's been a while since I was at Plumtree. I haven't heard a <laughs> yeah. bio like that. Make me feel young. <laughs> That's right. Oh, so I want to talk to you um, first about just Redfin in general. I did read your second quarter um, earnings transcript and everything, and you're mm-hmm. definitely a, a obviously a tech forward company, and you've started a unique model with salaried agents, which is all old news. Um, but I want to know when you were building Redfin, what surprised you the most? Well, I think the surprise has been how much I love being a real estate broker, how much I love service. So at first, I was really just a technologist trying to automate the entire transaction. And of course, we were flummoxed by all the service requests we were getting from customers who had questions about their inspection and how much to bid in a place or how much to list their place at. And I have come to love that part of the business more than the technology part of the business. And I've come to love our agents as much as our engineers. So it just seemed like a drag to have to hire 10,000 real estate agents to cover 10,000 neighborhoods. But those people are my people. (laughs) And I just love being their colleague and friend. Yeah. And let's, I want to talk about the agents a little bit. Um, because you had talked about in your earnings call a little bit of information about um, the agents mm-hmm. and some of the some of the issues you've had and then some of the successes you've had. So one of the things you talked about was really um, retention. Tell me a little bit mm-hmm. about your process. So the reason that we talked about it in our first and second quarter earnings call is because we've always talked about how we have industry leading agent retention. So I think the average for the industry is in the high 20s. Our average has been in the mid-teens. But over the past six months, because we had to grow so fast with 100% revenue growth, we brought on a bunch of new agents. And whenever you bring on new agents, some are going to work out and some won't. And that has really put our culture through the ringer because normally we don't grow that fast. We try to grow 30% year on year, not 100% year on year. And the fact that most of those new agents were buyer's agents just made it worse. We specialize. 
with new agents focusing on buyers just because you have to have a certain amount of moxie to sell a house. Um, and putting deals together, winning bidding wars has just been a nightmare. So we took our newest people and gave them the toughest challenge in such an asymmetrical market. They went into a meat grinder. And it's just been a real moment of reflection for us on how we could do better. Because as I said, we've always done better at retaining agents. When you offer agents great bonuses and salary and health care, and you pay all their dues, and they earn double or triple the industry average, you should have industry-leading agent retention. And we just screwed it up in the first and second quarters. We want to do better. I think some of that is also an artifact of just hiring too fast. In some cases, more than half the agents who left in many markets were, were asked to leave. Uh, I don't think that's common in most brokerages, but we fire about half the people who leave the company um, because we want to uphold a high standard of service. We want it to be the few, the proud, the Redfin agents. Yeah. And well, I mean, our the last year or so has not been a normal market in any way, shape or form for yeah. whether it's uh, selling or managing a brokerage. So um and, and that kind of leads into my next question, which is, are there any changes in the brokerage environment that have changed the way you operate now? Um, maybe a change that would cause you to add new services, how you deliver your services or build customer flow, for instance. Well, I think there are three major trends, at least, that have impinged on my thinking. The first is just this consolidation. So Rocket just decided to build its own brokerage. Better.com, another lender decided to build its own brokerage. They all see the right thing on the wall, that the refi boom is going to end and that the only source of purchase applications is going to be buyer's agents. You've seen the same thing with the iBuyers who have started getting into the brokerage business. There's just this massive vertical integration where everybody feels like got to have a website, got to have a bunch of real estate agents, got to have a lender, got to have a title company, have to be able to offer some kind of cash deal uh, to people who want to sell right away. And that is just going to put a bunch of pressure on everybody running a brokerage to do a lot very fast to keep up with this competitive environment. And we're not just trying to keep up, we're trying to push the pace. Um, so I think we're at the front of the race, running as hard as we can, but it's still pretty tiring. <laughs> so that's the first trend. And then the second is that, and there is just this schism between the websites that generate customer opportunities for real estate agents and the people actually delivering the service. If you look at the trend over the last five years, more and more people who want to see a house are asking to see it on the day that they make the request. So we're becoming more and more like Uber drivers, which is driving real estate agents crazy. It forces us to work together in teams. It forces us to get more support staff. Um, but I also think it puts more pressure on these websites to qualify the customers, because if you walk away from a little league game so that you can host a tour on a Saturday afternoon and you find out it's just somebody who wants to see grandma's old house it drives you crazy. And so that is going to be something that we hopefully can do better because we paired the website with the service. When we generate a customer opportunity that isn't an opportunity at all, we don't make more money. We make less money because we've wasted one of our own employees' time. And so that's been a big challenge because at the top of the funnel, you've got somebody building a website where every day they make the button bigger and more people click on it. But then some of those people aren't taking a real estate agent's time really seriously. And so solving that problem is going to require better partnerships between the people selling houses and the people building websites. And I hope that Redfin can do that really well because I straddle those two worlds. And then the third one <clears throat> is just 
what I think of as an EXP compass schism. You know, there are some brokerages that are racing to the bottom, and there are others that really have pretty high cost structures where they're investing in their brand, they're investing in their retail footprint. When I walk my dog, I have to walk by two or three compass offices, and I kind of live in a fancy neighborhood. And so we are going through the same questions that every brokerage is going through, which is when do we keep our hand in the agent's pocket and when do we take it out? What will an agent really pay for? Because you have to deliver value to your agents through your technology, through your customer acquisition. We know at Redfin that having the number one brokerage website is something that agents will pay for. But when we ask agents to pay for other stuff, um, I think that sometimes they'd rather have the money. And Glenn Sanford has really put an exclamation point on that challenge just because he's recruiting agents hand over fist, less so from Redfin, but we certainly pay attention to their earnings. And really what they're doing is saying the agent is going to have to pay Zillow or Realtor a bunch of money and still make a living. And so the brokerage just has to, to have a smaller bite out of their wallet. Yeah. Yeah. That it's a it's really an interesting time for brokerage. I mean, you've got a lot of different models coming in as well. Um, really, maybe not different, but um, a lot that really want to emulate that EXP virtual model. Um, I've been talking to a lot of brokers who are starting um, smaller companies and they're quickly trying to grow uh, into different states in that type of virtual model. It'll be really interesting with the low fee um, models that offer high service. Uh, there's just a lot of really interesting things going on in the industry right now. So. Yeah, it's a good time to be in real estate. <laughs> That's right. Um, so you obviously have critics and they're out there and they're loud. Um, and a lot of times critics mean you're doing something right. Um, so I want to know what, 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 what do you mean? I mean, oh, I honestly know, live ones. in a little bubble. I walk my dog. I make okay. a ham sandwich. I write some email. Sure. Are you talking about people who wish we charged a higher fee? I know. Or is there I some think, other criticism? I think the criticism is, oh, the salaried model can't work. Um, they're never going to make any money. Um, you know, it's just the usual industry talk uh, that that I hear interviewing different brokers. And I mm. want to know what you think is the biggest misconception that brokerage leaders have about your company. Well, I think they probably misunderstand how we pay our agents. So 20 to 30 percent of their income is salary. Yeah. Most of their income comes from performance. It's a deeply performance driven culture. I think we're just focused on the outcome that's right for a customer. It's not just about getting a sale. It's about getting a good sale. So we look at whether the customer's happy. We publish all these reviews and all the rest. But the idea that an agent is just going to be fully salaried and that's their only source of income is ridiculous. We have agents making half a million dollars a year at Redfin by selling high-end houses. And our agent retention rate is higher than any other brokerage in almost every year. Maybe this year might be the exception, but over the past 10 years, 10 straight years, that's been the case. Our customer loyalty is higher. So I, I struggle to understand how it could be so controversial to pay someone just enough money so they don't starve to death in a month where they don't get a sale. Is that really controversial? Is it controversial offering someone healthcare insurance? I know that we could probably make an extra buck by nuking the healthcare insurance because agents can be kind of cash driven. But then you've got to live with yourself when someone you work with, someone you care about gets cancer and they didn't get screening um, because they were trying to save money on healthcare. 
And I wouldn't do that for my family. So I don't know how I ask other families to do that. Like, seriously, I'm not a socialist. I just want people to have a chicken wing in their freezer and to see their doctor when they get sick. That's it. Is yeah. that really controversial? That like, is just a question that a lot of, I think you're right. I think brokerage leaders do not completely understand the model. Um, and I think my feeling is competition is great. I think that, um, you know, it drives other brokerages to do better um, having that competition. Um, and it's just, it is interesting hearing things around the industry, not just about Redfin. Um, but, um, but I think, I think, yeah. this is what I think. Mm -hmm. That, for instance, better.com, fully salaried agents, somehow not very controversial. And the reason yeah. is that they don't give the customer a better deal. Yeah. And so the real point of controversy is that we've saved consumers a billion dollars in commissions. And I don't want to affect what you charge your customers if you're an agent working at Remax or Keller or whatever it is. I just don't want you to mess with me and say what I have to charge my customers. Um, that's, that's free market capitalism. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, um, and you're doing it without filing a bunch of lawsuits. So there's something about that. <laughs> yeah. I don't think we've ever filed a lawsuit. <laughs> you know, I've got to tell you, we bought this company, Redpath. Yes. That was, uh, being bid on by a very litigious, uh, competitor. And it gave me a moment of pause because I realized that when you are willing to go to war in court, people cut a wide berth around you. So maybe maybe we need to file a couple of lawsuits and just show them <laughs> who's boss, but it's just not my way. I'm a lover, not a fighter. <laughs> oh, well, that's great. And yeah, and I, I did um, read a little bit about your, your rent path acquisition and that kind of goes into other related services like mortgage and title are, do you think they're as important to your future as they are to more traditional firms like Berkshire, Realogy or Keller at the national level? Well, it's important on two fronts. First of all, it's financially important because we spend so much money meeting the customer, winning their trust. Um, we're going to be able to invest more in our technology and more in our savings if we also help them get a loan and handle the closing. Right. But the real issue is that when we combine these services, we can do freaky stuff for consumers that no one's even imagined before. So right now, you go through the most ridiculous process. If you see a house you have to have and you don't have the cash, you have to contact an iBuyer. Maybe it'll be Redfin now. Maybe it'll be Open Door, somebody else. And just sell your property in a fire sale to lay your hands on the moolah. But if you run a brokerage and a lender, and you're the one listing the house, and you're the one who helps them find the new house, and you've already fully underwritten them before they start touring those properties, well, you know that this is a good risk. Because not only do you know everything about the buyer who your agent has been serving, but you know everything about the house that you're trying to sell. And maybe it's not going to sell for whatever you've listed at, $750, but it is definitely going to clear $680. And therefore, you should give them the cash to win this bidding war. And so I think trying to take every borrower and turn them into a cash buyer, helping everybody close, not just on time, but faster so that they can compete for their dream home, requires you not just to handle the first part of the transaction, but the whole friggin' thing. And that is brokerage, mortgage, title, iBuying, everything. And it's given us fits. We bid off more than we can chew. There's a million problems going on at Redfin right now. 
but it's going to be worth it in the end because I think there's this convergence. It is too hard to move. It takes like six or nine months to move. People dread it. We could make it a lot better if we put together the process of finding a home with laying your hands on the money and actually closing the deal. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I want to talk about your growth strategy moving forward. Um, Tell me where your focus is right now. Wow. Um, Well, we're growing in almost every direction, but one direction is the high end. So for the longest time, we were almost allergic to it, where we really wanted the middle part of the market. But maybe four, six months ago, we launched Redfin Premier, which is the service to target the high end. It means that we do more marketing campaigns. It means that we do digital photography at night, not just during the day. We send a drone up. Um, We just have a whole package for high end customers. And I didn't think there was that much meat on the bone, but a lot of it was just giving our sales force the swagger that you could go in and win a two and a half million dollar listing. And that's what they've done. If you listen to our earnings, um, we had more than a hundred percent growth in that segment of the market. And some of that is a tailwind, but we are growing that segment much faster than any other segment of our listing business. So I do think that we've earned the right to move up market and I'm excited, you know, I want to sell my house by a red fan. Now we've got this fancy two-posted sign that's popular here in the Northwest for high-end listings. And I can't wait. Uh, well, actually, I like my house, so I can wait. Uh, so I think that's that's a big growth area. We've already talked about this convergence between mortgage title and brokerage. The brokerage business is growing 30%. The mortgage business is growing like 100% or 200%. Uh, so that's a big growth area. And then the website just needs to cover the whole United States. It's a joke that we've been doing this for 15 years and we're still not in Wyoming. Um, We need to be a national real estate destination to go toe to toe with these other big portals. So that's going to be a big growth area. Yeah, I did read that, um, how you're going to be uploading more neighborhood data. um, Oh, that too. That too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In the areas we're in, we also want to get deeper data on crime and safety and we just added climate and i think we're going to do amenities um to just tell you where the coffee shops and grocery stores are if you haven't visited that neighborhood yeah all good stuff definitely um so i love your twitter feed and i read it all oh thank you (laughs) i saw that you just had a had time off for everybody i thought that was a great idea to kind of um go offline and and uh you know retool. Um, and then the one that I, that I really was reading and you posted, um, it isn't just the school district, the restaurant, the airline that needs to treat workers with respect. It's the people being served. It's everyone's job to honor people who make it their, their life's work to serve us. And that was in response to the, the airline customer was out of control on a flight, punched the flight attendant and ended up duct taped to his seat. Um, but it relates to real estate as well. And you discussed it a little bit earlier about, you know, being at a little league game and rushing to see a house. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell me what you're doing with your agents to really hammer home this message, um, you know, with regards to real estate. Well, I don't think the agents are the main target for that message. It's actually our customers. And yeah. just to step back for a minute to talk about the problem, there is this business theology that the customer is always right. And Redfin has been built in part around that theology, but it's given customers sometimes a sense of entitlement. This is hard to talk about, but my wife is an oncologist and people 
sometimes treat her as if she's an Uber driver where you hit a button and instantly something good happens when that can't always be the case if you're really sick. Um, and they get upset when she tells someone to stop smoking who has lung cancer. Sometimes the customer is not always right. And sometimes we need to treat the person who brings us our food or the person who is performing a physical exam or the person who's touring us through a house, not as some service worker who's beneath us, but as a fellow human being where we respect their time, we respect their craft, um, and we just treat one another decently. And I guess where the emotion came from is every once in a while, we have told people you can no longer work with Redfin. Mm -hmm. You have been so abusive to someone setting up a tour or to the agent herself that we don't want to serve you anymore. And a few of those customers have called me and said, great, I don't need to use your agents anymore, but I still want you to turn on that button on your website that lets me request a tour. They think that the human beings hosting that tour are like a website feature. Yeah. They're not. And it just drives me absolutely wild. And so I've just seen the covenant between the customer and the real estate agent break down. And I think the same thing has happened where you see people who are rude in restaurants and airplanes and everything else. And if you've dedicated your life to service, if you actually think that it is a good thing for human beings to serve others, it's painful when folks take advantage of that or treat you like a sucker or treat you like dirt when you think that's your calling and you want to help them. Um, so I want to respect the people who are delivering service. And my issue with Frontier is that people were blaming Frontier when really the problem was, was the passenger. And they think it was just that one person. Um, and maybe he was at an extreme of obnoxiousness. But there's a coarsening across the culture and how we, we talk down to people who are trying to help us, who are cooking our meals and cutting our grass, and the professionals who are helping us buy a home. Yeah, I think that's been amplified um, with the pandemic as well, especially with travel, but in other areas as well. So, so yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, where do you think he got it from? He got it from his parents. That's an 18-year-old. I actually feel for him. I don't know, maybe he's 20, 22. But his parents were talking to people that way before he was, and he saw other people doing that. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So fire your customer. I think the important thing is that, you know, it's always hard because yeah. you want to get that sale. You want to drive the revenue. You want to put the customer first. And just over time, I've gotten more and more confident firing customers because the amount of brain damage that one customer can cause you who is just an awful human being is, you know, a hundred X what you will get from, from all your other customers. And they're just other fish in the sea. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Um, so I want to talk about opportunities for brokerage um, operations or just brokerage companies in general in the next year. What do you see as some big opportunities um, in the industry? Well, I think one opportunity is just to make sure you're being very efficient with the money you take from an agent because you're spending the agent's money. At Redfin, we say we're all paid by the sweat of an agent's brow. And I think other brokerages are starting to get that religion. So we've already discussed that. Um, but when you do take their money, it has to be to make a real difference to the customer, to the agent. And an example of that for us is just fixing up houses. I think we've seeded that business to the iBuyers in some ways, the brokerage community has. 
But the real way to make more money on a house to get a top dollar sale isn't to do one more open house. It isn't to do another flyer that promotes the agent, not the house anyway. It's to fix up the front lawn and to get a backsplash in the kitchen and figuring out the finite set of investments that have a very high return on investment and having that done, not at the agent level, but at the brokerage level. Right now we have Redfin themed vans driving around, fixing up houses and they don't go back to Home Depot between every house. We have one paint color. We have one kitchen tile that we use and we put it in at very good cost. And then we get a huge return for our customers. We used to do it just for iBuying where we own the house, but why should we give that upside to our customers? And so I think you're going to see more concierge service where we're actually fixing up the properties. And it's going to be more important because four months ago, we were telling people, even if the house had problems, just get it on. The market is so hot right now that you will make more money getting it on than waiting to, to cut the grass or do some other stuff. And we are in a different position. We are in a different market where we're telling customers today, hey, let's spend a few weeks here. It's not going to be that long. And we're going to make this house look better than anything else on the block. And we're going to get an extra 60K. We're going to put 10 in. We're going to get 60 back. That's a real value-added broker. There are a bunch of houses that anybody can sell where it's an as-is sale and the pricing is pretty easy to uh, but when you actually have to make the house look better, that's the top 5% of real estate agents. And Redfin wants all of our agents to be in that top five, like every broker does. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so if you had a crystal ball, what do you think the market will look like in a, in the next year? Maybe the next six months to a year? The housing market or the, the brokerage market. industry? The housing market. Everything's going to be fine until interest rates go up. And you know, asking how you feel about interest rates is like asking whether you voted for Trump or Biden or vaccination or whatever. Yeah. It's just a very polarizing issue. But I think we've underestimated how sensitive the market is to rates. If you look at the back half of 2018, rates went up about 50 basis points and the market absolutely freaked out. And the only reason we didn't notice it is because rates came right back down. Mm -hmm. But there's just a lot of inflation pressure building. Labor shortages, restaurants only open four nights a week. Um, prices are going up generally. Um, so I just don't see you know, how long the Fed can keep a lid on it. They've said they want to keep a lid on it for another year. Yeah. And I hope we can, but if we can't, there's going to be a correction. And I don't know when I was telling you how much money is in the space and how we're sort of forced to compete on so many different fronts because property technology is just overfunded. You would never wish a correction on anyone and certainly not on yourself, but might be a good thing. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Um, finally, my last question is really, what does the future hold for Redfin? Ah, well, I think that for Redfin, the challenge we have, I'll speak to that first, is just to be the biggest little company in the world. I feel like I'm talking about Reno, but I'm talking about Redfin. Yeah. As we get bigger the culture where the engineers are really trying to make life better for our agents and everybody feels comfortable going to an exec and saying what's really screwed up about this place can get frayed. And so I want to make sure that as we grow, we keep and develop what is really special about the company, that there's this entrepreneurial spirit and this humility, because if you become this obnoxious, arrogant 
executive team that can't listen to people, well, then you're really done for. And then I'm so excited about the vision of the company. I feel like we've got all these little little baby plants that are going to grow up to be giant trees. I can't wait for the convergence of mortgage and brokerage so that we can let every borrower compete like a cash buyer. And I can't wait to fix up every house so that we're not just selling the property as is. We're making it really better and getting a huge return on investment for our customers. So all the money that we're pouring in to create a competitive advantage isn't just for ourselves. It's for our customers so they can get more money for their house than they would with any other agent. They can buy a house that somebody else might not have been able to get because we can get them into it first. Mm-hmm. That is still why I'm here. You know, I've been here 16 years. I've made plenty of money, but I feel like, oh man, we are not even one tenth of what we could become. And it drives me crazy that it takes so long, but I still believe the best years are ahead. Yeah. Well, great. Well, thank you so much. And congratulations, um, you know, on your second quarter earnings. I mean, you guys did uh, phenomenal, beat your own projections. And um, <laughs> and I wish you much um, luck and success in the future. So thank you. On September 27th and 28th at the Omni Hotel in Frisco, Texas, Housing Wire will host its second annual event, which will be in person for the first time. Housing Wire Annual offers each guest the opportunity to gather with top industry professionals for exclusive content, technology demonstrations, and unbeatable networking. Find out more by going to the events tab on the Housing Wire site. You won't want to miss out on this event, so register by September 20th. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. I hope you have a great afternoon. If you haven't already, make sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on all the hottest stories crossing our news desk daily. The podcast is now available wherever you like to listen. Make sure to tune in tomorrow.